it's like watching your own kid in a movie and you realize that he's terrible and there's <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Hello, everyone. Yes. <laughs> and from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Hello, Governor. Oh, no. Mm, oh, you no. You the British in there. <laughs> oh, no. Now everybody hates us. <laughs> I'm on topic today, um, baby. There's going to be a lot of that. And this is this, just before we're about to pimp a merch sale. You just <laughs> It'll be a new t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, hey, we have a merch sale coming up. Yeah, baby. We do. And you can save money. Now, most of our merch is going away, discontinued, as in if you've had your eye on anything over the years, uh, we're discounting everything now and moving it out so we can bring in some new shit. And uh, I've got my eye on a white, this guy would be great at Cinema Sins hoodie. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, I want to get one of those before they close out. And I really, really like, uh, this black, uh, apple shirt, the the pair of apples, what you, what you see and what I see. Um, I've already got two of those, so I'm not going to buy any more right now. Anyway, um, (laughs) there are severe discounts on this merch and, uh, get on it, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. There's severe discounts on merch right now. And then there's going to be, uh, even more discounts to come. So get going on it. Make sure you get them. Uh, the new stuff, by the way, is going to be killer. Uh, but there's some stuff on there right now uh, that uh, that is really, really cool. Uh, it's very exciting. So support the and team. You, can... you know, fly the flag. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, get get your merch. <laughs> get your stuff. You can go to cinemasense.com and click the mer- or click the store link. Yep. Or you can just go to teespring.com slash stores slash cinemasins dash store. I shouldn't have given out that whole link. That was a disaster. I read it correctly though, so if you want to type it all in, you're game. Yeah, and the other thing you can do is any of our videos right below the video, it's got a little shelf Correct. as I call them, um, of of Teespring. Uh, merch, CinemaSins merch. So if you click on that, it'll take you to the site and you can browse on there too. So there's a lot of different ways to get there. Get there, get it done, get 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 your get your get your shirt on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get your merch on. <laughs> if only there were visuals that we could show to the people. I just did a dance. He did. He did. Um uh, it's been a while since we have uh, done this uh, this kind of topic. Uh, we're going to be driving on the left side of the road this time. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it uh, it's uh, we're going to be doing our road trip for England itself on the road again. The most time honored tradition of all: the road trip. Oh, the places you'll go. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Uh, not Scotland or Ireland, because fuck you guys. No, we'll <laughs> maybe not there. even. Maybe not even England, right? Aren't we just doing London? Uh, pretty much. Look, uh, yeah, so we had the idea to because we all do love British movies. Uh, we've watched a lot of them over the years, and so we had this idea to to let's let's take the road trip across the pond 
and uh, do some British stuff. And when I looked at the, the, the breadth of the movies that we had seen or been familiar with, uh, I kept it to mostly the major cities, particularly London and a few exceptions. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of stuff. We can branch out later on. If you don't have your favorite British movie on there, I apologize. We'll get to it. And instead of a road trip, this is a boat trip, which is also uh, a Cuba Gooding Jr. Horatio Sands movie. It is indeed. With a 7% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It's about uh, homosexuals, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. They, they, they end up accidentally on a gay cruise. <laughs> and they pretend to be gay, but goddamn. <laughs> I questioned myself midway through it. Oh god! <laughs> oh, you shouldn't watch that movie. I uh, I did. I built a copy of it, and uh, it's not good. I don't remember if I saw that or not, but I I remember this being the movie that everybody was like. How did Cuba Gooding Jr. win an Oscar and then go on to do this? Six years later. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Weird. Um, so, yeah. Just London for now. Because, because uh, you know, there's a lot of movies. There's a lot of movies. And we may not even get through this. In the, we may not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, you know? so there's a, there are a lot to get through. Uh, the first one on the list is 24-Hour Party People, which I've never seen. Uh, but it appears to be a Michael Winterbottom, Steve Coogan joint. They worked with they worked with each other a lot. Yeah. Uh, did you ever see this, Spirit? I saw this at the Bell Court, man. Nice. Uh, this is wow. uh, so we're starting out by literally cheating. This is in Manchester, which is just north of uh, of London. Uh, this is based on a true story. This is Steve Coogan uh, is playing Tony Wilson, uh, who ended up being the. I don't know, progenitor of the whole new wave movement uh, with factory records. Um, he, uh, he produced and founded or, or basically kind of boosted. Um, it was joy division and new order, new order became new order after Ian Curtis, who's played by Sean Harris in the movie, um, uh, bearded, uh, psychopath mm-hmm. from, um, uh, yeah, Mr. the Possible. fallout, Ethan, the fallout. Yeah. He plays, yeah. he plays Ian Curtis, Ian Curtis, uh, tragically, uh, hung himself, uh, and Joy Division then became New Order, and so he's responsible for like this really big movement of of uh, musicians and and bands uh, in the eighties and the late seventies in England, and his whole thing fell apart because he was having such a good time. He never signed anybody to anything. And oh, really? So when the other labels came along to poach them or to make money, he never made a dime. Uh, but he is. He's got uh, he's he's got the memories. Uh, he's got mm-hmm. a great cast. Andy Circus is in this. Patty Considine is in this. Um, Sean Harris and uh, and uh, uh, Simon Pegg and uh, Christopher Eccleston. Yeah, I remember this coming out. I didn't know it was about. I didn't know it was about that though. I didn't know that uh, that it was about uh, the, those bands. It's a really uh, good movie. I might have seen it earlier. Yeah, it's a really good movie. Steve Coogan isn't his wild, crazy. Not that he's always wild and crazy, but he's not overtly humorous in this. He's playing more of like a straightforward character, but it's it's mm-hmm. really, really good. I always confused it with that, the title, with that Macaulay Culkin Me too. Wears a Diaper movie or whatever that movie is. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
God, what is that called? It's party something. Yeah, it is. Party monster. I, I, I did party monster. I, yeah, party monster. <laughs> I did the same thing um, when I first saw that. I was like, oh yeah, that Macaulay Culkin movie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, doesn't he wear a diaper in that movie? Am I, I crazy? I, I think he does. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, like if if you remember the movie, <laughs> if, if you're remembering Macaulay Culkin wearing a diaper in a movie, I'm I'm almost certain it's in that movie. <laughs> I'm going to look it up. We keep talking. <laughs> okay. On to the next one. 28 days later and 28 weeks later are Ooh. both uh, based in there. Of course, you know, right off the bat in 28 days later, it's Killian Murphy uh, walking through an empty London. It's eerie as fuck when he's yeah. walking through there. And well, we everything. just did. We just sent this movie. We, we did. did. I had forgotten I didn't. I wasn't on the sim script for this, but I had forgotten that Danny Boyle directed this with that video uh, quality. Mm-hmm. Um, like I had forgotten all about that, um, which is uh, blurry as uh, fuck, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this sort of, uh, you know, I'm not a zombie movie expert. I've seen plenty of them, but this was one of those that sort of got zombies back on the map. Because even though they're not zombies and they never say zombies in the movie, I don't think. No, um, no, no. They're infected. Yeah, they're infected. Uh, it was the first time we had seen zombies sort of fast instead of doing that slow lumbering thing. Yeah. And it's yeah. fucking scary as hell, man. Yeah. 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 And it's and it's yes, a perfectly it fine movie. In fact, I would say it's a, it's a great movie up until the very end. That scene that you're talking about um, where he's wandering around Piccadilly Circus in central London, which they you know, went to great pains to actually shoot practically. We've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Godspeed, you Black Emperor song playing in the background is just absolutely magical. Uh, the grocery store scene is absolutely magical, um, which was ripped off by Bird Box and like every other movie <laughs> in like Zombieland and all that bullshit. Uh, but then, as we've talked about before, I think it's it's difficult for um, for Danny Boyle to stick an ending, and this ending is hot garbage, man. From <laughs> the time that they walk into the military complex, which is a good twenty five minutes, it's 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 objectively terrible, and it, it almost ruins the movie for me. But I love that first. The three quarters. This is one of those prints at Hollywood Twenty Seven that I'll remember. It just, it, I don't, I don't know what was going on. Sometimes you just get a print that's cursed, and that print just kept throwing off of platters yes. during during runs, and um and like it just we nothing we did could could fix it. Like you know, it just once a once a print gets to a point where it's been thrown, it wants to throw the rest of its time. And that's they even the did truth. something later where they uh, gave us a new reel. At the a fifth reel or something like that, where like they changed something. I can't remember what they changed in the original version, where we had to put on a new reel at the end of it. I could not remember what that was, but we had to do that to that print too. I think we ended up probably having to order a whole new print because that thing just kept throwing off. Why does it? Uh, how does it get predisposed to throw again? You mean throwing of, off the actual because of demons, thing. yeah, demons, demons and dark well, magic. You have you have a variety of things that happen where, um, where if you first off platter speed, if the platter speed isn't right, uh, then you have the the arm. Then this is going to be impossible for most of you to to even imagine. But 
the brain inside the middle of the platter is like controlling the speed. And so like, if it's off, then that, that arm controls the speed and it keeps going slow, fast, slow, fast, slow, fast. If it does that a bunch, then you have a predisposition to have a, a, a print slide on the platter as it goes back and forth. And then eventually it gets to the point where the, the weight of the film is, is light enough that it throws it off the platter. And then you have other situations where the print gets damaged. So like, like we had a projector at Hollywood that would like the, you would see the sprocket holes like expand once it would get done. So like the movie that you'd put on there, the very first run would be like a quarter bigger when you, when it, when you got back to like to to thread it the next time because everything was like expanded and everything. Once a print gets loose, that's where it really starts getting to the point of, the, the the brain is trying to keep up with what's going through it and if it's if it's particularly bad then the speed will change back and forth and and start causing it over and over and once a print's thrown that's where you start getting all that i so, had a i had a trainee management train this is before i met you uh before i moved down here um who uh oiled the platter oh jesus christ <laughs> Because he thought, I don't know what went through his brain, but he thought this is, you know, this is how you clean this. Oh, God. (laughs) And it was like we basically had to get the platter replaced because we couldn't, like, scuff it enough to, like, unslick that thing. It was basically we had to use two platters and skip that third platter for, like, three months until they brought us a new. You know what we ended up doing towards the end of 35 millimeter was anytime I got the chance and the approval to go to Home Depot because the the like our technician put on that um, on on a couple of them that you that used to do it all the time. Uh, she put like the that stuff that you put on stairways so that when you're walking down steps, uh, it's it's that non-slick thing or whatever. Oh yeah. And so we put that on the platters, and so there were a couple that had it, but it wasn't like a an all it like it you know we'd still have projectors that would do it. So every time I got a chance, when I got to Home Depot, I bought more of that stuff and put it on every platter we had (laughs) and no more throws at that point. Um, So anyway, um, the, the move that uh, 28 days later is then obviously uh, has a sequel 28 weeks later. Uh, I don't know what people generally think of 28 weeks later. I love 28 weeks later. Is this Um, the one in the mall? Uh, no, this, this is the one where you have the kids, Imogene Poots is, this is the first time I ever saw her, um, Imogene Poots and her brother, I think, uh, run away from their home, like their dad gets infected and then they go to this like CDC place, like, uh, or, a uh, like a facility of some sort yeah. where either their dad or their mom is being held. I haven't seen it in forever. And, um, and Rose Byrne plays like a nurse or a military something, whatever. Jeremy Renner's in it, mm-hmm. uh, but it's mainly around that facility the whole time. If I'm if I'm remembering correct, yeah, it I is. saw it. I just don't remember anything about it. It's yeah, I don't Na- either. It's, it's NATO taking control of the whole situation now that the the infected are starving. But the 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 hitch in this one, which is not very comforting given our current situation is that there's asymptomatic carriers like Imogen Poots, uh, who has the virus, but she's asymptomatic and she can Mm -hmm. transmit it to other people. So it's, it's more of less of a straightforward zombie movie, like 
28 Days Later is and more of like a, a global, this is how, like more of a, can, a contagion type of thing. Well, I remember it being good, um, but yeah, it's been since it came out probably since I, since I saw it. Um, then we have About a Boy. That's mm. That movie is London as fuck. About a boy, about a boy, about a boy. Um, the based off the Nick Hornby novel, um, and you had, uh, you had the Whites brothers, American pie, yeah. uh, uh, directors on this one. Um, uh, Hugh Grant. And I believe, I don't know if this was the first Nicholas Holt movie. This might've been an, an introducing, but he was, he's the boy in about a boy. Oh, and, um, and I only, the only thing I really remember about this movie is him, with his headphones, uh, listening to that uh, "Shake Your Ass" song, isn't that what? Isn't that in that? In that? In that? In that, in that, in that, in that the mystical that song. A mystical song, yeah. and, and he falls in love with that one girl, and he's yeah, all yeah. like, he's like, uh, he's like, it's a, it's a song by Mystico, um, <laughs> and uh, shake your ass, watch yourself, you know. All that. Um, yeah, his mom is a wreck, man. I, I think, I think his mom is Tony Collette, mm-hmm. and she is severely mentally ill uh and mm-hmm. so he wants to do the the kid wants to get them together uh but uh of course Hugh Grant being Hugh Grant he falls for Rachel Vice and yes. so that that happens uh I love this movie I think this movie was was trying it's got a great soundtrack ironically by a band called Badly Drawn Boy uh, Oh yeah I remember them that uh that was one of my favorite bands of the 2000s uh, it's, it's really, really good. It's totally, uh, worth watching, I believe. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I don't hear about, I don't hear, uh, I don't hear a lot about it today, but it seemed like during that last decade, that was always brought up as a movie that people really loved. Like that was, you know, but I don't hear about that much now, but I think it still holds up, right? Oh, it totally does. And, uh, they did a TV show adaptation of it. Um, I don't know how long it lasted. Uh, but you're right. I mean, I, I think uh, it it's very much like Hornby's other one of his other novel uh, novels, High Fidelity, in that mm-hmm. it's men behaving badly until something shakes them, grabs them by the shoulders, and shakes them out of it. Um, and you know, maybe Hugh Grant was. There's a scene at the beginning that always always reminds me because he he does nothing. Like his dad wrote a hit song, and so he's spoiled and rich and has nothing to do, literally nothing to do with his life. And so he's like, uh, in the morning around 10 a.m. when I wake up, I get my hair expertly messed up to where it looks like it's perfectly must. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck <laughs> you, dude. <laughs> All right. Uh, on to, I know, a movie that uh, that Jeremy is fond of, and I have since seen it. Uh, it's great. About Time. Uh, about uh donald gleason and rachel mcadams i don't see now this came out in 2013 so i was i was just out of movie theaters at this point i don't think this was a big hit Mm-mm. but it seems like people have found it because it's a 7.8 on imdb it has a pretty good amount of votes on it too uh it is really good donald gleason yeah. rachel mcadams bill nye this is a great movie if you tell me that you have a romantic comedy time travel movie i am already tuned out mm-hmm. right <laughs> yeah like the time traveler's wife 
or which even, also had Rachel McAdams, <laughs> which is it does, yeah. uh, or even fair. No, is it not Fahrenheit? Uh, Frequency, which isn't a romantic movie, but it's still a time travel father son movie. I just mm-hmm. like the idea. The description sounds terrible, but there's this works both as a romantic comedy and as a father son movie. I think it packs more punch as a father son movie. Um, I cannot watch it. It's one of the few movies that makes me ball at the end, just mm-hmm. ball. Um, that the last moment they get to spend together, they go back to this memory of running on the beach. God, I'm going to cry talking about yeah, it right now. I know. Um, <clears throat> but Bill Nye is also really funny. As he's as funny as he is touching all the ping pong shit, where he's like, "I'm so much better without the ball." Um, <laughs> and like the, the toast he gives as the best man at the wedding. Uh, the way the movie uses time travel to both do humor like the who should your best man be and he goes through with each of them and they all give terrible toasts and he ends up choosing his father going back in time but the the time travel also can punch you in the gut like when he goes back to save his sister from that accident and it changes which fucking kid he has in the future yeah. when it comes back and uh god the movie just has so many different ways to absorb it and uh to to think about it and, and sit on it. And I just, I really, really, really recommend it. Yeah. Uh, I'm, it's fine. It's, it's, it, uh, this is, I'm not trying to be uh, punny here, but it is about time that some, <laughs> some time travel movie actually showed the consequences of doing something um, even slightly different from what happened earlier and everything. And, and that's something that I re- that really appeals to me because I know in a movie, you don't want to get too complex or else you lose your audience. But I feel like they do this in a perfectly good way. I mean, there's a point where he talks to his dad and he's like, yeah, it has to be the same sperm, the same egg, or else it's not going to be the same kid. And that's exactly right. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and so like the, so many other movies and you go, I hold back to the future in high regard, but you know, Marty has ofi- has officially changed everything about the world by his mere yeah. presence in that yeah. movie. But they 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 relegate it to well, as long as a couple of the same, like a couple of key things, the same things happen, then everything is okay. We're back to normal and everything. And I'm sorry to say, no, it's not. What's gonna <laughs> The uh, the next one on this list is something that came out, I guess, last year or maybe maybe the beginning part of this year. I can't remember. The Aeronauts, oh, uh, Eddie yeah. Redmayne and Felicity Jones, uh, reigniting that uh, theory of everything uh, team up. I guess. <laughs> um, but um, uh, I never saw this. Did you guys see it? Yeah, I no. Saw it. uh, <laughs> it's a good movie. Uh, Tom Harper directed it. I think I thought i remembered him doing something else oh he does peaky blinders is his big thing oh uh, okay uh, so it's very very londony this movie has some beautiful shots in it it's about um a scientist or a scientist in victorian england uh that wants to study the air before anybody really knows about atmosphere and the layers of the atmosphere and stuff like that and it's about a uh, a, a woman felicity jones who's a pilot who's a balloonist and together they build this weather balloon and they want to go up as far as way farther than anyone in the history of people have ever gone. Obviously this is before any sort of air travel whatsoever. 
and uh, she's the badass that can take care of the balloon. He's the the scientist. It's very Newt's commander, except not yeah. as <laughs> not as kind of uh, socially awkward. And it's good. It's very. It, it's been compared to Gravity a lot uh, because mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of like death defying stuff. They're up in the air. They don't know how to get down. But man, there's a lot of talky talky bullshit that like <laughs> like a lot of like boy, my husband sure did die. And like, like <laughs> he's like, he's like, well, I've had death too. I've experienced, I've experienced hunger and shit. And it's like, I, there's too much of that. And if they had cut down on that a little bit. <laughs> it's like that, that Seinfeld where George is wanting to get fired. And he's like, I want to get it to where, where people say, man, that guy got canned. <laughs> 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 but it's on Amazon. Uh, Felicity Jones is a delight. Eddie mm-hmm. Rain, Redmayne is a good performance. Uh, I'll tell you who I've got my eye on is this uh, Hamish Patel. Uh, yeah. Who plays one of the, uh, uh, the the collaborators with Eddie Redmayne and who was the lead person in Yesterday. Um, I think he's got some chops, man. I like that guy a lot. All right. The next one on here is uh, Ali G in the house. <laughs> Fuck this. I'm trying to remember. I think i've seen this uh and if i'm if i i don't remember does this this have is this hit or miss and mostly miss yes yes it's 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 pre-borat so it's sasha baron right it's pre-borat to where i think the stunts and the interviews and stuff like that are staged i don't think they're they're real like they are in borat and some in bruno um and it's got, you know, a bunch of people that are in on the joke. I just don't like the joke. I've never liked this yeah. character. I actually think Borat is hilarious. But I've yeah. never liked this character. He he has done on the BBC, I guess, he had, and HBO, has tricked a lot of f- people hilariously. Yeah. Uh, but that's also just not kind of my, my type of humor. And yeah. I don't like I'm that the same character. way. Yeah. The, uh, the well, especially when you dress it up as as a character that you know, specifically makes the person they're roasting go, well, his English is a little broken. Um, you know, I'm going to give him more rope than I would. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's, yeah. it's a yeah, double yeah. setup to, to play a character. He's not just playing a stupid character. He's playing a stupid character. That's not American. Uh, anyway, I don't like this. It's like, it's like the same kind of thing Tom Green used to be um, mm-hmm. where, you know, it just feels like at least with Borat, um, and again, I, I saw the Ali G show on HBO. I never saw this movie, but at least with Borat, to me, it felt like he went after people that were sort of asking for it. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The what's good about what's so good about about a, something like Borat is that he plays this character and he makes people comfortable saying what's on there in their hearts, and it exposes them. Yes. Um. Uh, I don't. I don't even think you could call it gotcha. It's just you know he's just kind of like I'm going to be this way. Feel free to say whatever's in your heart, and that's what they do. Yeah. Um. I I didn't see much Ali G show when it was on HBO. Um. Uh. But I think I saw this movie a long time ago. But I just I, I remember it being like, oh, that's funny. Oh, that's really really not funny. <laughs> and then it'd be really really not funny for a while. And then there'd be some other good bit that would show up. 
And um, so anyway, on to attack the block. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh I, this one's good, bloke. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's uh. See, John Boyega. This I don't know if this was his debut, but he was pretty young in this. He was oh, like yeah. seventeen or eighteen when Attack the Block came out. I think something like that. Um. This was my uh, first introduction into Jodie Whittaker too. Really like Jodie Whittaker. But, uh, but yeah, aliens come down and, uh, this is what the, what real people have to deal with when the aliens come down, <laughs> where like most alien invasion movies are about that military guy or that, that, that scientist or, you know, whatever. It's like all the most important people are dealing with the alien thing. But this one is like real, like citizens of a, of a city trying to well, deal with aliens. And they're criminals too. Well, yeah, they're criminals. <laughs> So and, yeah, uh, they're, and, they're not only like you know regular dudes; they're also dudes that have like already. It starts off with them uh, mugging that girl, uh, Whitaker, right? Like uh, so yeah, they, they yeah. mug her, and they end up having to work together by yeah. the end of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. this movie um, caught me by surprise, man. It's it's London as hell, but mm, it's it's, it's a really really London. fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very. Quite, yeah, you're right. Yeah, like a very specific what is it? accent. It's, well, he's from yeah. He it's his natural. It's where he grew up. There's a name for it. I think it starts with B. Um, but uh, it's a very, very, very specific London accent um, that uh, I'm not going to try and do. And I mm-hmm. only saw this movie once, but I remember really liking it. Yeah, it's a it's really good. Um, uh, I, rem- I can't remember if did we get this at Hollywood 27. I remember doing trailers for this, but I don't think Is- we ever got it. Isn't this the one where they say bruv all the time? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bruv, yeah. Bruv, and yeah. cuz and was it is it cuz or bruh? It's I think it might be or fam. They say fam a lot. I think they do, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah, it's a good movie. Uh let's see. On to Austin Powers, the the trilogy Ooh. of Austin Powers. Mm. Um see this is this is my jam, man. Like even though it's silly comedy and there's some jokes that are just stupid. Like even for me, stupid. Uh, Mike Myers has always been kind of in, in my wheelhouse, and it, contrary to what I said before we started this uh, about uh, Wayne's World too, I don't think Spy Who Shagged Me um, really hit the same notes as the first one. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it, as in like really repeating itself. And and Goldmember has its flaws, a lot of flaws, but it's still definitely not the same as the previous two movies. And I think they're all funny on their own merit. This, this is, this is one of the most interesting franchises of all time for me, just because I was, I was in Illinois working at a theater when the first one came out and it wasn't a, it wasn't a flop. It made $67 million, but it wasn't a hit by any means. Uh, And then it was, it was the video store where this thing found its, footing to where when the second one came out and I was at Hollywood with Chris, it made like $400 million. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember it came out, it came out the, the, that's in 99, summer of 99. It came out the same summer as Phantom Menace. <laughs> and, and, and like, I remember seeing the trailer for the spy who shagged me on just about everything that we had and you know it was like because i put the car and swinger baby and all that <laughs> and and like yeah it was a huge hit it was an unbelievably huge hit 
Yeah, it looks like three hundred and twelve million. I, I overshot my estimate there, but still that, a in, lot. Back in ninety nine, that was a shit ton of money. Yeah, still a lot. And um, but yeah, uh, a a really big hit. It had that. Uh, it had that really fun. Oh, was it? Was it? It was Goldmember that had the opening with Tom Cruise, and uh, or was it the second one? I think it was the second one, wasn't it? Uh, see, I don't really. No, care no, no. For you're right. You're right. It it is the third one uh, that has. Of that course, camera. I'm right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, uh, because the, the the first one is more like, yeah, it opens with Elizabeth Hurley turning into a fembot, and then it goes into the Jerry Springer thing with Doctor Evil and Scott and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. So, uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's so much fun. Will Ferrell comes into this one. Uh, do it with a hilarious cameo where he falls down the thing. And he's like, I think I have badly broken my leg. I will try to stand up on it. Crack. Oh, it is now protruding through the skin and smells of almonds. <laughs> that whole thing too, where like, he can't, he can't be asked a question three times because it's so annoying. And he, that's when he'll answer. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, come on, man. Why don't we just cut straight to it and just answer? He's like, I cannot be asked the same question three times in a row. It's very annoying. And there's a point where they ask him one question and they ask him two of a different question. And he goes, oh, he's like, oh, come on, man. That was the third question. And he goes, no. No, in the first question you asked was... <laughs> it has to be in a series of three. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. Oh, my God, man. Um, <sighs> yeah, the uh, I was surprised, too. The first one... The first one had its moments and I thought it was, I thought it was, you know, basically, okay, there's a goofy comedy that people are going to just kind of, you know, dismiss and it's, it's, it's had its day. And then, yeah, the video thing, like Jeremy saying, just really shot this up, uh, to where, uh, Spy Who Shagged Me became that huge hit over the summer. And, and, uh, you know, um, yeah, these these movies are funny. I I don't like Goldmember that much, but I do like Michael Caine in there. I think Michael Caine's a great addition. Um, I thought that was funny that they got the two the two kids to play the younger versions of uh, Austin Powers and Doctor Evil mm-hmm. uh, during the little, the graduation thing, uh, and they both are like like perfect. And they're perfect in those roles, like those kids who are playing the younger versions. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Michael Caine's line too, was like, you know, where he's like, there are, there are two people in this earth that I don't like people who don't have respect for other people's cultures and the Dutch. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> it's, it's my favorite. It's one so of my great. Favorite. Oh, he's the best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought, uh, I, I think gold member is himself is a little bit one note is very one note actually. Yeah. But that yeah, note yeah. When it first starts is really funny. <laughs> yeah. I love gold. <laughs> this is one of Beyonce's first movies, actually, is Foxy Cleopatra. Yeah. Well, yep. that movie, Goldmember made $296 million. It was mm-hmm. just a shade off of what the second one made, and uh, I'm honestly surprised they haven't gone back to that wheelhouse since. Yeah, they, they um, who knows what happened after that? There, I, I know that they had been talking about a fourth one for a really long time. I've heard, I've heard talk about a fourth one probably like it was just a few years after the third one. And then I heard it resurrected another time at some point last decade, but I don't know where it went. 
There was a point mm. where he was supposed to do that Sprockets movie and he decided not to do it. And that there was Thank a whole God. legal mess around that. And um, he did, you know, and he also, his star wilted because he did stuff like Love Guru and um, View from the Top and Studio 54 and all these movies that really kind of dropped him a little bit. Um, so I don't know what happened with that. They may just, they just may not have a story to tell anymore. You have three of these things. You've told every joke that you can tell about mm-hmm. James Bond essentially, but maybe what you could do at this point, not that I'm like trying to give Mike Myers ideas, but now he could do the Michael Caine thing and he could have a son who's getting into the spy thing and he could mm-hmm. tank, maybe even take a step back. Um, and you know, and he could also still play, he could also still play villains and yep. everything, like multiple characters like he always does. It could be him and Dr. Evil at the nursing home, like getting into <laughs> hijinks. Man, mm-hmm. that shit would be funny. Dude, Dr. Yeah. Evil in this franchise does have some of the best lines that you'll ever hear. That's the best character in the whole franchise. I mean, the whole, sure. like, why can't we get freaking sharks with freaking laser beams on there? <laughs> and he's like, well, all we could do is sea bass. <laughs> and he's like, are they ill-tempered? and uh a voice that he patterned after lauren michaels is another another, oh wow i didn't think about that um yes the shitty 1998 avengers movie also set in london yes Mm, that's all we have to say about that (laughs) yeah that movie's uh terrible um it, I don't know why it failed so spectacularly where they, where they went wrong in the right, the script phase or whatever, but they were trying to resurrect a show that very few people had seen here. I think at least, you know, I don't know, 20 years had it, had it, it, it had been off the air and it was mainly a BBC staple. Right. Um, uh, so it's, it's half a think- movie. It, it, and, and from what the, the reviews that I was reading about it, when we did it, um, is it's it's literally half a movie. It, it, there was a lot more shot. There was a lot more that was supposed to be in there. Uh, but I don't know if it was the studio. It must have been the studio or the director uh, that just said, you know what, we've we've got to keep this down to under what you know an hour forty or something like that. And there's just so much stuff that just doesn't make sense. Like it's not well, well shot was... at all. But it it just doesn't make any sense. Wasn't this a big summer tentpole like yeah. release, Chris? Uh, I don't remember. I think it was, but I don't remember. I'm going to look up the... I feel like they had high hopes for this thing. Because... It was August of 98. Yeah, so... And what what day, August? What week in August? Yeah, that's typically your last your last gasp in the summer is that second week, week in August. Uh, it... it mm signals to me that they didn't think it had that much of a chance or else they would have come out with it in june or july but yeah but um yeah everything went wrong with that movie Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um the next one on our list is bend it like beckham um oh you know what somebody pointed out in the comments on the podcast that there's a love triangle for keira knightley in bend it like beckham because she and her friend both fall in love with dude man coach guy yeah remember when i was saying kira knightley has a bunch of adultery and love oh yeah, 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 yeah. is it jonathan reese myers that, that uh, is uh, yeah jonathan reese myers yeah so somebody pointed out this movie belongs on that list as well and i'm very very happy <laughs> but she's to, like to yeah, she's like 16 or 17 shut up it fits it works shut up it fits 
But this was uh, Kira Knightley's big. Hello, yeah. I'm here. I'm it an actress. The, I'm not uh, just uh, Natalie Portman's stand-in. <laughs> yes, this was the first movie I had seen Kira Knightley in, and then Pirates of the Caribbean came out right after that. So she mm-hmm. was she was uh, set to go to superstardom at that point. But um, um, but yeah, this is I haven't seen it since 2002. So uh, I know it's about. Um, is it a is it about a a women's soccer team or is it about women on a guy soccer team? I can't remember. No, I think it's just about coming of age. Yeah, well, it's the uh, the Jess character, the Indian character, uh, who's yeah. a, a sick, um, uh, and her parents are very against any sporting event, and she falls in love with soccer, and apparently she's very good at it, and uh, she and Kira Knightley being the the top players in that team. Uh, win the championship and she's super proud she gets a scholarship and all that stuff but her family is not really uh supportive and and mm-hmm. because of all their religious and um cultural beliefs it uh, it doesn't work so yeah it's coming of age essentially but in a specific context even though they're in london it's a sick family uh originally from india uh so Isn't that pronounced yeah. Sikh? uh seek or sick i have heard it both ways okay I do know um, that <clears throat> I didn't understand the title. I knew who David Beckham was, uh, but I don't watch enough football uh, to know that slang of bend it means, you know, to put some, you know, action on the ball so that it curves after you kick it. Mm-hmm. But there's a killer uh, roll credits moment in this movie where Kira Knightley literally says she's she wants to bend it like Beckham. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I remember that was where it clicked for me, and I was like, oh, I get it now. Like it's a soccer, it's a soccer thing. Anyway, well, yeah, uh, and, and that was what he was known for mainly as as a player was being able to do those set plays and kicking a ball where you know it had that that wicked curve to it and everything. I'm not yeah. even sure how good of a player he was outside of those set plays i'm not either but that's what he's definitely known for, for yeah sure. yeah well, he's yeah. known for victoria well sure sure <laughs> he's known for that too. you know all things being equal he is much more famous than she is uh worldwide <laughs> well yeah these days for famous. sure yeah for sure <laughs> anybody see the bfg i have not seen the bfg no but i made a sin referencing it because it looked like a lot of uh recent child uh, monster movies. Yeah. Did Spielberg produced this. Spielberg directed this. Oh my god! Um, I didn't see that. This is one of the. I, this has got to be the only Spielberg I have not seen in the last thirty years. Wow, so, that oh tells you god. about how good it looked <laughs> on the preview. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, I can't remember why I never got around to this one, but this he all this was also one of those years where I, I think it was one of those years where he did like two movies in one year. He does that a lot. Um, uh, but I can't remember if, if this was the war horse year, I think the war horse year, he did that, uh, rent the adventures of uh 10, 10 movie mm. and BFG. I'm not sure. I don't know if he did something else that year, but anyway. no, it looks like that's the only one, um, that he directed that year. Okay. Mark Rylant he- is a, is a giant, uh, animated giant. I that every time I see BFG, I, I my mind reverts to Doom and the big fucking gun. And yeah, all yeah, that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, so I, 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 you know, BFG. I was like, wow, that's kind of racy for kids. Oh, it's a, it's a. Well, I don't even remember what the F stands for. It's a big friendly giant. 
big, mm. big friendly giant. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, but I, I every time I see the BFG, I'm like, oh, uh, big fucking giant. That's I think big fucking, and then I, my brain breaks. I'm like, oh, gee, <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. Um, a movie that we hold dear in our hearts it was the last movie we saw in theaters. Bloodshot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's where he goes to pick up uh, your boy from game night <laughs> is uh, is in London. Yeah. Uh, that may be the last movie we ever see in theaters is Bloodshot. It might be. It might oh, be. man. <sighs> um, That's a rough one. Yeah, Vin Diesel is, uh, is a guy who I guess they can – what – what is the what is the deal? I have already forgotten. Is He's it- got nanites. He uh, gets blowed up in uh, in Iraq or something. They keep coming back. They keep putting different memories in him. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. they or, replace or his blood the same with memories, nanites. but like they take out the ones that matter so that he doesn't go off and you know accidentally run into his wife and and his his uh, screaming kid and uh, <laughs> which, uh, <laughs> who who annoyingly <laughs> says mom. Mom, mom, just a fucking minute, kid. She's talking. God. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes just because it happens doesn't mean you need to put it in your movie. (laughs) (laughs) Just because it's real doesn't make it right. Oh my God. They have that, that like red shoe diaries, uh, affair at the beginning of the movie, man. He gets back from watch him, (laughs) watch him a terrorist. And like, he gets back and, and they're just like, and like with gauze yeah. and like and muslin and like you what know, i sheets. love is when yeah. they're done she puts her sexy underwear back on mm-hmm. just the bottoms yeah. right 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 because yeah. that's what always happens after sex indeed how do you do it i put her <laughs> bottoms on and she puts <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't uh, okay i'm gonna stop now <laughs> yeah i'm saying you go do things you clean you 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 clean. either get your dressed again or you don't get dressed. You stay naked. You cuddle. What do you got to put one single pair of underpants on for? Why are you making that face? Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying not to say what I was going to say. Okay, don't say it. I think everybody knows what you're going to say anyway, but don't say it. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, uh, move on. Bohemian Rhapsody. A movie, this movie. Yeah, a movie that we do not like here at all. Um I uh, also starring Mike, Mike Myers. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's a you know in a little cameo where he's he's uh, referencing Wayne's World. Um, yeah, I just don't like I don't like movies like this. I don't like biopics that just you know it, it, it it's the name of it's Bohemian Rhapsody. Where it really shines for me is when they're they're doing the recording of Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, and if they could have done more stuff like that and touched on more. I don't know, more interesting aspects of this story than what they did. Uh, or even the music itself. Every musical song where they come up with We Will Rock You, Another One Bites the Dust, yeah. uh, you know, like all these classic hits that are just coming out of nowhere, uh, even Fat Bottom Girls or I'm In Love With My Car and like stuff like that, like just those those little one-off things, these little mentions, that's the good stuff. I don't know how they could, what, I, what they probably did was uh, screen it for test audiences and they were like, maybe focus more on the band. And I bet test audiences were like, well, what about Freddie? Didn't he die of AIDS? Like, I want to know more yeah, about cause, him. Cause test audiences are notoriously stupid. Oh God. 
Yeah, I don't know. I was I was I was interested in the story behind a lot of songs in this, and I was interested in more of them as a dynamic as a band. And they made up a lot of shit that mm-hmm. happened in this, and um, so like I just I start losing interest in this in this type of thing. And I know that the song songs are what a lot of times people are like, oh, that was a good movie. It's like, well, the songs are good. That doesn't make the movie good. Um, you know what was it? Uh, you know that's. That's why I feel like Jennifer Hudson has an Oscar is because she belted out, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm telling you that I'm not going and all that. She belted that out so hard that she got the Oscar for singing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so did Anne Hathaway. Yeah, yeah for Anne Hathaway, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Lame as Rob. That's the best singing that you'll hear. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the songs are, you know, the songs are great, but the movie, I just, God, it left me cold. I like Rami Malek in it. I think he was perfectly good yeah. as, as Freddie yeah. Mercury. Yeah. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> have, any, have you guys seen this recently, by the way? I had it on in the background the other day. Oh, no. This movie is fucking insane, man. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it I is. Had not, I had not seen it since, probably since it came out. Oh, really? And, and the other day, I, pop, I popped it in. It was in the background. Now, a mo- this movie in the background is probably even more insane because you just look up and there's just ran- like random images in this movie just don't make any sense. Like, with like no Gary Oldman climbing on the walls like a spider. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like the, there's that sex scene where you have Monica Bellucci and uh, like a whole bunch of and and like Gary Oldman comes in and he's pissed off because he's like, he's like, Jonathan Harker is mine. And, <laughs> and, and so like all these women who are about to orgyize Keanu Reeves in this movie are like, there's a point where two of them get on like top of each other. And like one of them stilt legs out of the, yeah. <laughs> it's just a weird scene, man. Um, now I want to watch it. Man. <laughs> oh, <I'm laughs> he's telling me. And, and, and looks so confused about this impending orgy. He's like, "What is this orgy?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's like, "Where did you guys go?" Okay. Yeah, might as well let it happen. <laughs> me, uh, the the that was that's the thing. Like, uh, just by just sheer having it in the background. I was like, now I need to sit down and watch this movie again because there's so much insane in it. I must watch it now, beginning to beginning to end. Uh, I'll have to find time for it. But yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen it. But one thing that it reinforced, one thing that I did notice about this movie, this is this is what we talk about when there's movies that Keanu Reeves shouldn't be in. Absolutely. This is not his speed. Nope. Whenever you put him in a historical drama, whether it's this or Much Ado About Nothing or or uh, or Dangerous Liaisons, that's not his thing nope. at all. And he's he always comes off terrible in these movies. And he's definitely like he's definitely not he's definitely pretty bad in this this Bram Stoker's Dragon. So yeah. that that accent is the most abysmal. English. You think my accent when I try to do it on Sincast is bad? <laughs> it's better than Canoes back in 1992. I'll tell you that much. 
So like this is one of those things where you hate it because you love Keanu Reeves, right? Like <laughs> we we basically love Keanu Reeves. It's like watching your own kid in a movie and you realize that he's terrible and there's <laughs> <laughs> No, this is this is an objectively so Gary Oldman gives a great performance in like geez, probably like six different uh iterations of Dracula. Because he's mm-hmm. immortal, of course. He's got the old one with the big pompadour, and then he's got the the younger one when he's a man about town, and he's he's looking for his lost love, uh, who he thinks is Winona Ryder's character reincarnated. Mm-hmm. And re, uh, she Winona, does not. She doesn't come off very good in this movie either. While we're talking about performances that are shaky, just FYI. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's, okay, <laughs> it's also yeah 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 it's a. Uh, she, I think she's overshadowed by how bad Canoe is. I think you're right. Yes, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. I mean, it, it, it's Francis Ford Coppola, by the way, um, and Anthony Hopkins plays Van Helsing, by the way, the yeah. guy who's supposed to overpower the most immortal, like powerful vampire ever. He's already in his like seventies or something like that at this point. Yeah, uh, but uh, it, it's a very watchable movie. Tom Waits plays Renfield, the uh, asylum guy. And I always enjoy watching it. The colors are gorgeous. It's the last watchable Coppola movie to me. Yeah, I'm like I said though. I I think this is something that demands a watch again. Again, after like I said, watching it the way I did, where it was just kind of like you just look up and you're like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> you know, it's it's something that I'm going to have to end up watching because yes, one of the things that was introduced into this that was so fucking eerie is that where you would see Oldman walking uh, in a direction and his shadow would go in a different direction. Yeah. yeah. And it was something that, and of course, the Simpsons masterfully did this, did this whole movie basically in one of the Halloween specials. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, uh, there's a lot of like just stuff that's very off kilter in this and uh, definitely a different Dracula than you've ever seen. And before or since, it's a it's a it's a sexy Dracula. I mean, even mm-hmm. he's old man Dracula at some point, but like the whole movie is very sexy. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah. Dracula was sexy in Dracula two thousand. I don't know yeah. why you're just skipping that shit. Yeah, you you are right. You are right. Uh, Dracula two thousand had that Lincoln Park song during the credits. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wasn't uh, wasn't uh, he also a character in like the third Blade movie? Wasn't Dracula in that movie? Oh, I think so. Yeah, there was some mention about Dracula in one of the Blade I think movies. It's in the movie, man. I think yeah. Blade fights Dracula in this movie. Am yeah. I crazy? Yes. No, I mean, yes, you're crazy, but also, yes, <laughs> I think you're right. right. Dracula. Who says it's crazy to eat meat? Is she crazy? Yeah. <laughs> Blade versus Dracula has got a bunch of video listings. I'm going to assume I'm right. Yeah, <clears throat> I think you're right. All right, everybody, it's time to talk about BetterHelp. BetterHelp! BetterHelp! That's how you schedule your appointments. You look up to the sky and you say, BetterHelp! Yeah, you lift your mighty hammer and you call down the <laughs> the therapy lightning. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm, Look, mm-hmm. hey, guys, we're still in this. We're still in this all together. There's a global pandemic, and it's not only a pandemic of a virus, what we've been discovering, what we've been hearing about in articles and in papers and everything is the mental toll that this is taking on people, not only for those predisposed to have anxiety and depression and anger and PTSD issues and alcohol and addiction issues, 
Uh, it's people that have, quote, uh, lived otherwise normal lives up until now. But given the circumstances, given the mandatory quarantine in a lot of areas, given the social isolation, especially for those people who are living alone, you're starting to see this manifest its way into mental illness. Um, and it's no joke. Uh, this is a real thing and it needs to be addressed. And if you want to address it, there is a uh, a service called BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, uh, that I have been using for the last, geez, six months at this point, uh, before all this started. And I found it very helpful before, really finding it helpful now. Um, I actually have been taking medication in addition to uh, going to uh, my counselor at BetterHelp. And I got to tell you, the medication I think is helping, but I don't think I'd be nearly uh, as in such a good place now or in a better place now. Uh, if I didn't have this other component of it, um, yeah. what it is, is, is counseling, uh, for licensed therapists, licensed counselors that you can initiate online from the privacy of your own, own home, chat sessions, video call sessions. Uh, it's a, it's an amazing platform. Awesome. So, uh, in addition to being an amazing platform, there's also a small benefit. If they go to a specific link, they can save some money on their first month, correct? Yeah. And that first month is going to be critical, folks. Like uh, you're, you're not going to know really what you're in for, especially if you haven't done uh, counseling or therapy before. Uh, if you go to betterhelp.com slash Sendcast to get 10% off your first month, uh, and that's not insignificant. Uh, and uh, so if you go to betterhelp.com slash Sendcast, you will get a discount on that uh, that first month. Don't let the cost deter you though if you do have issues paying for this they will work with you so even if that's uh first and foremost on your 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 mind go ahead start the process and they will work with you uh so there's really no excuse if you need this right now and god knows a lot of us do uh if you need a service like this right now from the comfort of your own home while you are at home uh, this is the time to do it. Betterhelp.com slash Sincast. 10% off that first month. Take advantage of this, guys. Uh, if you do feel like you need it, um, it it has been life-altering for me. Uh, I've gotten a lot of support from these guys. Jeremy has been like my uh, mental health Sherpa, guiding me through <laughs> uh, uh, some of the ups and downs of, of the process itself. There's a lot of work, man. and uh, just as the last personal aside, my my therapist last time said, "Man, because I've I've come a long way, but I've I've done a lot of work, and I don't really give myself credit for that because I've gotten help along the way from her, from my psychiatrist, my wife, my family." And she was like, "Well, no, you deserve some of that too, uh, because trust me, I work with a lot of people, and they are not doing what you're doing. They're not taking the initiative." And it's because it's hard to do, especially when you're almost paralyzed by anxiety. So there will be some work, but it will be worth it, especially when you come out the other side. Trust me. Betterhelp.com slash Sincast. We've talked about it a lot, uh, but do it. Do it. Do it. Then we have. Oh, so you wrote down Braveheart as sort of a cheat. Yeah. Okay. Braveheart, I literally man. had already written it down and I had written down so many movies that I was like, I'm not going to erase any of these things. Yeah. <laughs> because okay. most of it, it is very, William Wallace is trying to free Scotland, but he's 
sacking England for the the vast majority of the the movie itself. I believe this is one of the all time like gives historians headaches movies, right? Yeah, like this none like hardly any of this happened. <laughs> and that's how that's how like off it is. Um, and I, I, I guess not very much is very is known really about William Wallace. So you can make whatever story you want out of this, um, out of this character because there's still not very much known about him. Um, well, it's actually cleverly referenced in the movie where all, everybody's spreading tall tales about him where he's like, yes. you know, I hear he's seven foot tall. And uh, and has ransacked a whole village by himself, you know. And that he kind shoots of thing. like lasers out of his eyes. Or <laughs> um, I I've seen Braveheart a million times. This used to be one of those movies that like it had it on Laserdisc. I used to watch it on Laserdisc. Wow. wow, all the time. Um, but uh, but yeah, this is this is if you're looking for historical accuracy, you're not going to get it here. Some of the things in the movie have have a basis in truth. Uh, but they're not like what, how really everything went down. Um, what do we think about this movie today? It's 25 years later. Uh, uh, I haven't watched it all the way through in maybe 15 years and I'm not sure I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it would be a little bit of a slog for me to get through. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember really liking it when it came out, but I, I bet I bet it hasn't held up very well for me. I love it. I love it just as much as I did the the first time I watched it. Even with all the uh, the baggage that Mel Gibson brings to it, uh, this movie is is one of the most perfectly made movies I've seen. Even though it's long, uh, even though this poor Sophie Marceau at the end of the movie is basically a proxy. Uh, for yeah. for the uh, for his long lost love, uh, I absolutely adore this movie. I could watch it a million times more. I could too. I like if 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 you pop this in, I would I would immediately get back into the familiar rhythms of it and and just watch it to the end because it's I've I I I mean I I may be in the same boat as Jeremy. It may have been fifteen years since I've seen it all the way through, but I've before that time. I saw it probably a good 20 times. I mean, yeah, it was really like a me. lot. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you. As long as you're not uh, considering it a document of any sort. Right. Sure. Uh, if you just watch it as this is an action movie about oppression, basically, then you're going to have a good time with it and everything. Mm-hmm. It's just that. Yeah, just, and yeah, Mel Gibson brings that problematic baggage. Now it didn't when the movie came out, Mm-mm. but, uh, but well, 10 this years was his later, first uh, directorial uh, yeah. effort, right? Which is yes. ridiculous because mm-hmm. the, at this yeah. point you'd never see and Now you see it all the time. You've never seen battle scenes like this before. No. Not only the carnage, no. but the, the no scope, CGI. the scale, uh, you talked uh, about uh, the uh, Crusades movie, the uh, uh, the King speech, or what was it called? King, the King, King of Heaven. The Kingdom, Kingdom of Heaven. Yeah, yeah. So, how they gave the strategy and like what they're going to do before they do it, so you kind of have an idea of what they're doing. They do the same mm-hmm. thing in in Braveheart, where he's like, you know, take the left flank, or 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 say, uh, you guys pretend like you're running away, and he's mm-hmm. like, what what is that going to do? He's like, do it and let the English see you do it. Mm-hmm. And once they do that, then they flank yeah. them. And it's yeah, it's just you. so cool. 
It's, it's funny. This is when he's like, let the English see you do it. The, they think they were, they'll think we ran away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And I don't think anyone, even people who, you know, are, are still vocal, uh, vocally against Mel Gibson for the problematic stuff denies that he's a, a great director. Yeah. Uh, Apocalypto was mm-hmm. incredible. Um, yeah. And Hacksaw Ridge has battle scenes. Once it finally fucking gets there, has yeah. that battle scene <laughs> that, you know, t- it blows Braveheart battle scenes out of the water in terms of the expertness behind the craft. And he's still making the passion of the Christ resurrection. And he's attached to a wild bunch remake, both as director. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I guess I'll have to make up my mind before those films come out whether or not I want to support. And I've gone, you know, I've run, I've run both ends of that spectrum. Uh, yeah. But um, <clears throat> same anyway. here. And I know that I know that that's you know that's offputting for some people who have already made their decision and everything. But some of us out there are just kind of like, I think we can separate the things, but like at the same time, you're also, do we give money to this? Do we, you right. know? Kind of, it's hard to it's hard to really pinpoint. Plus, plus, it's our our jobs too. Yeah. Also, <laughs> um, Braveheart was not his directorial debut. Uh, the Man Without a Face. Oh, that's was right. His directorial <laughs> debut. Which was, uh, that wasn't bad. It was wasn't. It? it wasn't. But I, it was so um, just Hallmark cheesy to me. Yeah, I mean oh, that's yeah. the one where he's teaching poetry or something <laughs> to some kid. Uh, but it inspired that famous song, Man Without a Face. <laughs> yes, yes, it did. <laughs> famously, <laughs> famously inspired. On to Bridget Jones's Diary. Oh, that chick. Yeah, Renee Zellweger. That was a big uh, scandal when she got cast in that role. Yeah, yeah. Was it really? Because she was not British. Right. <clears throat> well, she's still not. That was something that you would see quite often back in the day, though. Uh, you'd see Renee Zellweger. You'd see uh, Gwyneth Paltrow as Emma. and Sliding um, Doors. Yeah, Sliding Doors, all that. And, and uh um, so it's, it, I mean, it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty common, but I guess in a beloved book or something like that, you know, people feel like it has to be a certain part, you know, has to be British. If it's, if in the book, she's British or whatever, I just, yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not really that type of person on those type of things, by the way, so no. there's a, there, once the book is sold and it's become a movie rights thing, then it's uh, up to the director to, Sure. Yeah. Although this book was a massive hit in in England, um, mm-hmm. even more than it was here, I think it would be similar to casting one of those three Harry Potter kids, casting an American there. I think there would have been a similar uproar there, but the uh, you know, quality of the film probably would have been affected. Well, and there was a little bit of uproar, a t- tiny bit of uproar about Daniel Kaluuya in Get Out. Um, oh, yeah? Because, because- he's British? Yeah, because uh, people like Samuel L. Jackson believed that uh, this is a uniquely American uh, experience and not Interesting. around the world. And Daniel Kaluuya had to come out and say, are you no. fucking me? <laughs> 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 awesome. So, I'm glad he did. <laughs> I haven't seen Bridget Jones's Diary uh, in forever. It's It's been since it came out. So I don't even remember the story. I do remember 
Is it Colin Firth and Hugh Grant? Yeah. Uh, eventually. And this is the uh, the only one of the three that I've seen. There's a baby and then there's like a, what is it, Breakdown? Uh, Bridget, Bridget Jones. Jones's... Edge of Reason. That's that's the third one. Edge of Reason? That <laughs> yeah. sounds like a Tom Cruise sci-fi movie. I know, right? <laughs> No, she's uh she's work she's like a working professional. I think she's in a TV studio or something like that. And she is the I think the reason the book caught on so well, she's a very Alec McBeal type of character. You know, she curses, she smokes, she drinks too much, she makes mistakes, she fucks a bunch of guys. Right. And like she and and at first she's kind of apologetic, unapologetic about it. She's like, "Hey, you know what? Yeah, I don't have my life together whatever." And then she starts saying, you know what? I'm going to try to get my life together. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop drinking so much. And I'm going to, you know, keep this diary, like a Julie and Julia type of thing. And uh, she ends up, I, I think, being kind of inspired by the Colin Firth character in the first place, who is the good fit for her. <clears throat> and then Hugh Grant, I think, is the almost John Hamm and Bridesmaids type of thing, where, like, he's he's super sexy and, like, he hits all the buttons that he needs to hit, but he's bad for her. And, and one of them is the prime minister, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, and, and she keeps making these mistakes. It, 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 I think it's a really engaging performance. I really like this movie. I the remember first liking I the movie. I just haven't, I, I don't, I don't think I saw age of reason. I don't think I saw the baby one. Um, I think I saw this first one and that's it. Um, but I, I haven't heard really anything like good about the other two. But I haven't really heard anything bad either. I think I think if you like these movies, you're probably going to like both of those too. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, then we have Cars Two, one of the biggest blights on Pixar's, um, I guess, uh, list of movies. Um, God, I uh, this is where they decided. See, now the first Cars, I feel like that that was like perfectly okay. It was definitely not Pixar's best. Uh, but then they were like, well, Mater's our real star here. Let's start Ugh. revolving around him. And I think that's a huge mistake. Um, and, and they turn it into this British spy, uh, James Bond type spoof <laughs> yeah. and everything. And it's just, I don't know. It just, it doesn't work on any level for me at all. I, I, no. I really did. This was the first time I think I outright just said, I don't like this at all. Uh, well, when it comes to Pixar, and I think two, yes, this is a very, very, very bad movie. But in a weird way, Cars Three is even more offensive, even though it's a better a, a better watch because mm. it's just Cars One all over again. Yeah, so it they, really, they yeah. tried even less. At least the at least two tried something new. It was just a really, really shitty uh, try. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I tell you right. what, man. So this is uh, 2011. And so this came out right before my kid was was finally ready to start seeing movies and collecting toys. And because they had added so many different characters, he was obsessed with every part of this movie. So I watched this movie ridiculously uh, a, 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 a ton of times. And because it was so bad, it's it scarred me. It I if like I get repulsed if I see it on. Like it was even hard to write on this thing. <laughs> yeah we still have yeah. all of his like uh holly shiftwell and fucking finn mcmissile and all those uh all those toys 
Well, that's uh, you got to the rub of why cars they continued to make cars movies. Yep, was because of that toy line, and and uh, you know they they this was the this was the first time I really felt like the whole enterprise, and I'm sure mostly powered by by Disney's influence. They said, "Let's make Cars two, let's make Cars three because of the toys. It was the first time I felt that real cynical about a Pixar movie was Cars 2. Well, and I think to this day, Cars merchandise outsells all other Pixar merchandise. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think this, it's clearly the, the most financially motivated until we get to Toy Story 4 area where it's a much better product, but it's still uh, still financially motivated. But yeah. Anyway, Cars 2 sucks. Yeah, Cars 2 sucks. <laughs> um, Cassandra's Dream, Woody Allen. Um, yeah. this is this is Woody Allen in the middle of this European phase that he has where he's making everything not New York anymore. I actually saw Cassandra's Dream. It came out, I think we had it at Hollywood 27. I remember liking this. This was like a, a pretty decent movie, I thought. I mean, it's hmm. not great by any I, means. I really like this movie because yeah. it, because you can tell, well actually you can't tell. Because you know, Woody Allen has like a maybe a a three in a row regular narrative structure and then one that's total allegory, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh the one in the mist, Gorillas in the Mist, or what was the there was like uh something in the mist. Uh that Gorillas was a, in the Mist. Yeah, there was a straight allegory about something. Um and then he'd do like, you know, Manhattan Annie Hall and like, you know, the relationship movies and things like that. But he didn't do a movie. He didn't do Gorillas in the Mist. No, no, no. no. Shadows <laughs> no. and Fog is what I'm thinking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shadows and Fog. Yeah. My Gorillas in the Mist. One of those things where you had started into something, and then, and then when I heard In the Mist, I was like, uh, "Wait a minute, what were you originally talking about?" Now, I'm like, I'm just lost now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then he did. And then he did. Here he did uh, Match Point. I think he did Vicky C- Cristina Barcelona. And then he did this, uh, Cassandra's Dream, which is a total allegory. It's it's a it's a Greek mythology thing uh, of this this boat that's essentially cursed uh, that that leads to crimes and misdemeanors and murder and uh, what is what is killing your brother uh, fratricide? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I think it's what it's <clears throat> but um, it's played out really really well. Ewan McGregor's great. Uh, Colin Farrell. Is great. Uh, who are their two girls? Oh, girls. Their yeah, girlfriends, Haley Atwell, Atwell and Sally Hawkins. Yeah, Haley Atwell um, is she the one that married Bieber or or? Uh... That's Haley Baldwin. Yeah, Haley Baldwin. <laughs> yeah, Haley Baldwin. Baldwin. Haley Baldwin is um, not Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. It's not. No, Alec but it's Stephen Baldwin's daughter. It's Stephen Baldwin's daughter. Yeah. What? Which uh, means her dad is Cray Cray. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, this is a, 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 nobody talks about this. Even Woody Allen people don't talk about this movie. Yeah. And it's weird. I, I said Hollywood 27, but this came out in 2007. So I yeah. must've seen it. Uh, I must've seen it on like cable or something then, because I definitely saw this and I remember Ewan McGregor and Colin Farrell and they're like this. It, I mean, this movie again is another one of those kind of, it's darker than match point is even. I oh, think. for sure. For sure. Um, so like, um, 
So like, yeah, he, Woody Allen is, is, is definitely in a different phase here. Another problematic guy. Of course, we can't talk about these, these movies anymore without there being somebody problematic in it. But, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, you know why I feel more comfortable about talking about Match Point, Blue Jasmine, things like this is that he's not inserted into these things. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Woody Allen, when he does insert himself into, uh, especially later day stuff where he's like the mentor or whatever you just know. And this is after all that stuff has come out where, you know, it's just indulgence. It, it's, it's, it's just arrogance. It's like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be in my own movie. This movie is less a quote Woody Allen movie and more of just a good, uh, narrative, uh, mm-hmm. and a good, and a good story. Same thing with match point and for Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Uh, I think, so I think Barrett- that helped. Barrett jokingly puts Chunnel down on the list. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even remember what that's from, though. It's from from Seinfeld. Yeah, it's from the movie phone episode of uh, Seinfeld. Oh, okay, okay. Where Kramer gets the call and he's like... Why don't you just tell me the name of the movie you want to see? Yeah, I I remember... Chunnel! I remember the Rochelle Rochelle stuff and all that, but I didn't remember the other movies that they had thrown on there. Um, uh, the next movie is Clockwork Orange. Stanley Kubrick. Uh, oh, there it has that on his wall behind him. Poster behind him that has signatures and everything. Um, I've read the book of this. I have seen this movie many times. What do we think about Clockwork Orange these days? Uh, have you seen it uh, recently, Chris? Probably been in the last two years. What do you think about this? I very much uh, like Clockwork Orange, although I, I, this is one of those movies that I feel like, um, much like uh, Gibson did with Passion of the Christ, like I've got to show you how bad things are. I've got to mm. show you how bad everything is so that you'll really get it and you'll know that this guy needs to go through the things that he goes through. Um, so, so they show in clockwork orange, like, you know, an all, like a couple of awful rapes, like just awful. And mm-hmm. it's hard to watch, man. It's really hard to watch. I don't know if it's, if it's uh, a sign of the times or what. Um, like if I had watched this movie back in 1971, would I have been like, oh yeah, yeah, totally. You know, just would have been going with the flow. Or is it now that I'm in 2020 or whatever, is it, is, you know, a lot of the things affect me a lot more when I see them. So a lot of that stuff. Now, uh, I think this is just such a unique story though. Uh, and so well done and, and Malcolm McDowell so great in it. He goes for it, it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, the movie itself is great. I actually saw this, uh, when it had a special, uh, screening in New York. I saw this on, in a, on a big screen. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, so, um, I, I really, I really like it. I think that, um, I think that whole thing, the, what is it? The loot of, uh, what is it? The, the, uh, la- the experiment that they do on that. It's got a name. Oh, Something that oh, Ludovico technique, yes. Yeah, Ludovico technique. Um, you know, you, you it does make you question whether something like this is morally correct, even with the 
worst person that you can possibly put into it. Uh, it does have a weird kind of, you know, you do go through this whole thing where you're like, you know, you could be, you could be of the mind where like, fuck this guy, whatever happens to him is, is, is okay. Because he did a lot of bad stuff when he was before all this happened. But like, it really is just downright dirty, this technique, man. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I think, I think you could also argue that it doesn't even work i think it works in the movie maybe for a bit but by the end of that movie you swear to god he's about to break again like before the movie goes to credits he's about to break again yeah and you could you could say that he's just scared not to do the things that he loves doing anymore because he's psychologically prevented from doing it which is that the same from is that the same as deciding not to do it and having a moral center not to do it? Um, it's it's got a lot of questions like that. It, it does. That hmm. are it does. important to ask because I really don't think that in the end he's learned anything. I just think he's scared to do anything by the end of it. That's the whole point is that he has this physical um, reaction when he sees a naked woman or when he sees violence. Um, to where he can't, he has this revulsion. <clears throat> it's a physical response. And that doesn't change your psychology. That literally just changes how you react uh, to something because you, it's a total aversion therapy, right? It's to not get sick. I have to not experience this. And it's not that he thinks it's wrong. In fact, in the, you know, the omniscient narration, he says like, you know, I got excited for the old in out and out, that kind of thing. But then friends, you know, this revulsion started in Mitami and, mm. and that kind of thing. And it's it's not changing his mind. I think you're totally right. I think it's yeah. not changing his mind. It's it's just a physical response. Uh, the, uh, and I, I don't think you can change like that. When this movie, Kubrick famously took out the last chapter mm. of the book. And I think the last chapter of the book is, is um, I can't remember exactly what the last chapter of the book. I think the last chapter of the book um, sort of explains more about how bad this technique is. And, and, uh, I don't think it's a happy ending. I'm trying to remember if it's a happy, this, the ending of the movie isn't happy really. It's just, I mean, he's being told to, to, because the people realize that he's been through an ordeal and now people are feeling sorry for him. Uh, they're trying to get him, they're trying to reverse this technique. And by the end of it, where he's got that imagery of the, the topless woman on top of him and that fantasy and everything that, that ending tells me that he's about to break again and just, you know, he's going to just do it again. I think that's kind of maybe what the book was getting at too. Uh, but I can't remember that last chapter. Uh, it's been a long time since I've read it. Try reading that book sometime. It's like, it's like a puzzle sometimes. Cause you got to mm. figure out what the, what the slang is and everything. There's a oh, lot yeah, more. Yeah. There's a lot more slang getting thrown around in the book. Um, Jeremy, did you like this movie? No, but I only saw it once in college and I was not <clears throat> ready. Yeah. Uh, I will revisit it at some point just because uh, it deserves to be revisited. Uh, but I saw it before. I think I had, I had really just become a movie fan and go into the movies and why I was not a film buff. I couldn't appreciate this movie at the time I saw it. I don't think. Yeah. Um, I, the, 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 uh, mo the movie also sort of explores 
like if you're just in the wrong place, the wrong time, um, that for him, Alex, you know, he, he gets, he gets put in prison for what he does. Meanwhile, his, his friends, um, who did the same terrible shit that he did end up being cops, which I think is even, even scarier and more frightening to think about, um, in this whole thing where like they were not only not thrown in jail, but they were rewarded in the end once they turned a new leaf. And there's it's questionable whether they even did, they just became the, they just became law enforcement. And, uh, that's a hell of a statement that is being made there, um, by that movie. And by, I guess, I think by the book itself, um, on to, uh, closer. Ooh. You know, you guys love this movie. Yes. Right? Yes. It's been a while since I've seen it, so I don't even know where I'm at. I know that the Clive Owen thing with Jude Law when he's when they're having that back and forth, I love that shit, but I haven't seen the movie in forever. I think it's four amazing performances, but this movie is depressing as hell. Like, I don't know if any of these people are good people. Do, who do you argue? Maybe Natalie Portman's character. Yeah, Natalie Maybe. Portman, I think, is is still on the innocent side by the end of this movie. Well, she's yeah. uh, she's the most innocent of all of them, but I can't, I can't back Julia Roberts in this movie. I can't back Jude Law, and I definitely can't back Clive Owen. And, Clive Owen's presented so, as the hero, though, you know? He kind of is, but it's just, oh, this movie depresses the hell out of me. It's like, oh, you fucked my girlfriend. I'm going to go fuck your girlfriend. And then it's just like, oh. <laughs> anyway, excellent performances. I don't want to dog on the movie. I think it's pretty good. I just, it's hard for me to root for any of them. <laughs> it's funny. Actually, he doesn't have sex with Natalie Portman. Um, he just tells Julia Roberts that he did. And he tells Jude Law, I think. Um, so... In a sense, Clive Owen is the most innocent guy in this movie. You know, what's what's funny, what starts this whole chain of events off, it's so out of nowhere. Everybody seems to be in a good place. Jude Law and Natalie Portman are both young and, and on the move and making the scene. I'm talking like a seven, 1970s <laughs> gangster or something like that. Um and then uh, Clive Owen and Julia Roberts have this wonderful, like, you know, mid-30s stable lifestyle. Their house is is gorgeous. He's an optometrist or something like that, and she's our ophthalmologist, and she's an art curator. And then all of a sudden, he comes back from a business trip, acts completely normal, goes to shower, comes back down, and he's like, I fucked a prostitute while I was gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Seriously, she's like, why did you get dressed like all the way after you took a shower and you just got back? It's late. And he's like, because I was afraid you might want me to leave when I uh, when I tell you what I have to say. And uh, he's like, I fucked a whore. <laughs> I think he literally <laughs> says it like that. And in and, and, and the initial bit of it, she's like, all right. She's like, eh, you know, well, that's pretty rough, but... Uh, and then somehow it spirals into that whole, like, well, I've been seeing this Jude Law character. And then it goes further and further and further. And the whole scene is almost unbroken. And it's it's what you're saying. It doesn't make you feel good about any of these people. But it's a brilliant performance. It's a brilliant. You can tell it's very stage-like. You know what I mean? Fair enough. Fair enough. 
Yeah, uh, I like I said, I don't remember much about it, but if if you want to get interested in watching closer, just watch. Well, actually, that would be a lot of spoilery stuff, but like uh, Clive Owen and Jude Law, two thirds the way through the movie, that conversation that they have is fucking classic. Yep. Um, it's uh, it's fantastic. And you've got uh, the uh, Natalie Portman in the strip club scene, um, which is fascinating on so many levels, and not only because um, you know Natalie Portman is, is stripped down to her skivvies. It's it's a conversation. He's not there for sex. He's not there really for pleasure, even though that's the tagline. Like I want you to bend over and show me your ass like, for my viewing fucking pleasure. Um, he's there to get his kicks of being superior to her not a sexual way it's such a it's a very psychological movie that i just absolutely adore there's a there's a similar i mean not similar the but there's a there there it's, it's interesting watching uh strip club scenes where the guy goes in not for the kicks of it but has to talk to the person <laughs> you know like uh, the the uh the movie exotica does this Bruce yeah Green- yeah, yeah. Bruce Greenwood goes in to see Mia Kirshner and you're like, okay, what's going on here? He doesn't seem to be like turned on by this. He's just kind of talking to her. What's the, what is this all about? Um, it's always just an interesting dynamic because it just, it, it, it doesn't equate in our heads. Like you would go well, yeah, like, like big short where Steve Carell is just like, can you just stop dancing for a second? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll exactly. pay you. I'm still yeah, paying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, we uh, move on to the Cornetto trilogy. Yeah, oh, I just combined ooh. all those guys. Yeah, you have uh, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and the one that we always mess up, The End of the World, or whatever the fuck it's called. At World- <laughs> the World's End. The World's End. It's The World's End. Um, at World's End is a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Yeah, <laughs> at World's End is a Pirates of the Caribbean movie, and uh, This is the End is a James Franco, uh, Danny McBride joint. Um, but... Uh, yeah, Shaun of the Dead, man. Uh, this is where uh, Edgar Wright, uh, st- he, he made these movies that were making fun of, uh, you know, like he makes fun of zombie movies in Shaun of the Dead. He makes fun of cop movies in Hot Fuzz. He's making fun of the Wicker Man, essentially, in, in uh, The World's End. Uh, or Hot Fuzz. Uh, yeah. He's making, well, in The World's End, he's making fun of alien movies. Um, But, uh uh, he has a certain, you can see that he loves these movies. And I think that's what a lot of these kind of movies, the the reason why they're so successful and they're so fun is that not only are we making fun of them, we're also, um, we're also um, glorifying them. We're not glorifying them, but we're uh, praising them or we're, we're showing appreciation for them at the same time. It's sort of a fine line that, that galaxy quest walks, right? Where we're both, you know, we adore this thing, but we're, we're kind of poking fun at it too. It's a little more broad, uh, with the Cornetto stuff. Uh, but if you watch hot fuzz and don't think that he loves cop movies, you're insane. Uh, mm-hmm. even though he's, he roasts them in a few hilarious ways, um so yeah i think it's pretty clear that he's both having fun but this is the stuff he loves and probably grew up on yeah i'm not the only one you guys uh love hot fuzz even more than Shaun of the dead right yeah i do yeah yeah, yeah. i think that's the, the the typical opinion for whatever reason maybe it's because i watched it more times uh i love Shaun of the dead a little bit more than hot fuzz but but they're right up there together because 
Simon Pegg plays such a different character in both of them. Nick Frost basically plays almost the same character in both of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but Simon, I didn't say Simon Cowell, right? Uh, no, Simon Pegg. Okay. Simon Pegg. <laughs> By the way, played, Simon Cowell was in the new Scuba movie. That oh, was great. Lovely. Oh, Jesus. Uh, Simon Pegg, you know, plays such a slacker loser that gets it together, but kind of gets it together. Uh, still has some of his tendencies at the end of uh, Shaun of the Dead. Uh, and he's such a hard ass uh, <laughs> in Hot Fuzz that it's it's just, it, it takes a while to wrap your mind around it. Um, saw a different Simon Pegg performance recently that uh, kind of blew my mind, actually. He's got a lot of chops. He's got very versatile. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, the... I love the I love these. Man, Shaun of the Dead has that great uh, one shot with Simon Pegg going to the store, and he's just oblivious to all the zombies that are around. And there's there's a part that always makes me laugh. It's a small moment, but he goes into the he goes into that convenience store, and he like goes past some aisle, and he slightly slips and catches himself. And then doesn't even bother to look at what he slipped in. Just <laughs> keep going to get his stuff. <laughs> and, he, you know, you know that he slipped into, like, a big puddle of blood or yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, but, like, it, 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 it only dawns on him, I think, once he finally, once he gets out after he buys the stuff or whatever. Yeah, he's, he's like, drinking his slushy or whatever it is and looks around. He, and he's he like, looks to his left and looks to his right. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah Shaun of the Dead is great I think those I think both of those movies are 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 up there but Hot Fuzz for some reason I always gravitated to that one more and I can't remember I don't know why really um but uh I love I love those and The World's End man has just never caught on for me I've seen it a couple of times uh but it's never gotten to that point where I'm I'm like I really love this. The, the, the thing for me is just the, the alien, the body snatcher thing in this, in this one, it doesn't appeal to me and it just, just falls flat. There's not as much inventive things in that movie than there with the other two. Um, uh, it's something where he's showing appreciation for those movies, but he's not really hitting his target very well. I don't think, and I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know what the, 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 it's just not as interesting as the other two. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we love some Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, on to Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yes, and, and even oh. though a lot of these take place in Narnia, they're in outside of London. Uh, the Chronicles <laughs> Okay, so Voyage of the Dawn Treader and Prince Caspian came out, right? Yep. And yeah, so I have no, I, I did, have not seen those for sure. So Prince Caspian came out. Obviously, the uh, Lion of the Witch in the Wardrobe is the one that everybody knows from that C.S. Lewis. They know that's the you have seven books. They everybody knows Lion Witch in the Wardrobe, but then after that, it gets sort of on shaky ground. Not many people hold Prince Caspian in, in high regard, or Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and the series is essentially out of order and doesn't really tell a straight story and everything. So like when you get into, I think it's the magician's nephew and all those, those aren't like, those are like, I don't know. They're, they're not prequels or sequels, but they're like wedged in between other earlier stories. And there was a, what's the one where 
I think it's the two younger kids are basically jumping in water and Trent and port and they're it's portals and, and they, and they see, they see the sort of the, the creation of the white queen and everything. And that's like a big prequel story, but it comes like four or five books into the series. Um, so like, I don't know, the Prince Caspian came out and it didn't do nearly as well as Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And by the time Voyage of the Dawn Treader came out, it wasn't even Disney making those movies. It was Fox. So, of course, Fox uh, ends up being Disney anyway. But, um, but uh, yeah, they Disney just, you know, gave the rights to Fox, I believe, on that third one. And uh, Voyage of the Dawn Treader didn't do anything, so... They they'll never get through that seven books because it's not it's not like Lord of the Rings it's not like that it's mm-hmm. it's got one book everybody knows and the other six I don't think they can really make into something that's people really want to see you no know, and that that first movie was fine yeah it did was, you like it it was fine yeah. it's okay it's fine you know I loved those books growing up uh, and I never read Lord of the Rings until they were making those movies and then I went back and read those books. Um, but the movie's, you know, inferior to the Lord of the Rings movies and is, you know, clearly a studio just trying to find a similar property to cash in on the, they did, and they didn't do, they didn't go the distance that, um, Peter, what's his name went, um, and they didn't, they didn't have the, they didn't have the passion, uh, that he had for it either. Uh, but also another thing that hurt these movies is they've changed the distributors changed ownership rights like two or three times, like the Dawn Treader, Whoever made that movie is an entirely different company than who made the first two movies. Um, they they got those rights bought out or whatever. So there, there, there's some inconsistency there as well. But I think I read that they're going to try and wrangle this all up and reboot it all again. So I'm not surprised. Um, no, me neither. But though, but you know, that sounds like it seems like they should probably just go the Netflix route on those uh, more than try to come out with two two hour movies every single time and try to sure. make Lord of the Rings or whatever. Of course Lord of the Rings itself is going that Netflix route uh, at some point, right? Uh, uh Amazon, but yeah. Amazon, Actually yeah. I think that one that one went on hold, I think. I don't know. Maybe that's the Game of Thrones one. I'm all fucked up in the head. <laughs> if there's anything that you want to get out of this uh podcast is that Jeremy is fucked up in the head. That's <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, we, the next one is Croupier. I've never seen Croupier. Oh, uh, really? Clive, Clive Owen, so this, your movie. <laughs> this is probably, uh, Clive Owen's coming out party. I believe this is the one that got him, uh, major recognition, but I've never seen it. Oh man. You, this is, you would want to have sex with this movie. Like just okay. put, put your, your penis into it and thrust mm-hmm. repeatedly. Right. Okay. Have you seen this? You know I've only done nope. that for 10 movies, so it's <laughs> really special. Take precaution. Mm. Uh, so Clive Owen is is a writer, and uh, because he can't finance his book, he takes a job as a croupier. Now, a croupier is a – it's not a dealer, right? It's like a step above a dealer. It's it's like a like a stage boss uh, He's he, uh, to assist in the conduct of a game. So he's not actually doing – the dealing and stuff like that. He's making sure that all the bets and the payouts are, are correct and all that stuff. And this is Clive Owen at like, you know, his, 
most attractive, basically, right? Like Clive Owen has this charm about him uh, that you see in Children of Men and in Closer and things like that. And he's suave and everything, but he's still kind of a, a, a bit of an awkward writer. He gets recruited by uh, Alex uh, Kingston. Do you remember Alex Kingston? She was in ER. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was the British She's on doctor. Who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She She's was the on, British yeah. doctor in, in ER. And boy, she sure does have a big old naked scene in this. Uh, where, <laughs> where that I may have watched a lot. Oh, easy, uh, easy. <laughs> because she's very pretty. Uh, but like, uh, she she seduces him and makes him want a crime, makes him like, like get into a thing where he's figuring out if people are counting cards and maybe counting, calling them out and that kind of thing, and basically so that she can make a profit, she's going to share it with him. Uh, it has such a satisfying ending. It's such a great performance. Alex Kingston, I didn't, I don't know if I mentioned that she was naked in this. Uh, <laughs> and it's just, it's a real, it reminds me uh, it, in tone uh, for both of you, actually, you guys would both love this of, of the, uh, the cooler. Uh, it's oh, yeah. it's certainly yeah. not that story because he's, he's being manipulated, but he's not, um, it's not the same dynamic. But uh, but it's like the British version of that sort of tone. I think you guys would dig it. It's 1998. Um, go watch it for sure. Yeah, it's a movie that I know I want to watch. And it's, uh, it's every time it comes up, it's like, oh, yeah, that one. I still need to see that. I need, you know. So, yeah, I'll watch it. I really, guys, I really don't think we're going to get through all of London today. We are not. Before <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting through, before we do, before we cut it off, and that's the crying game. Oh yeah, Ooh, finish up the seas. Yeah, I only saw that once. Seas. Yeah, I saw this. This is maybe my first Belcourt experience. Was the crying game? Um, Boy, the crying game is not really about uh, what you crying, what you hear about. It's about like all oh. kinds of crazy stuff, like the IRA and the and the secret. Yeah drop offs and killings and murders and Stephen Ray's and I can't believe I saw this movie at 15 guys. I saw this movie at 15 years old. Um, so yeah, the, it starts off with, it's like this, um, there's a, some sort of gunfight or battle going on. Forrest Whitaker tells Stephen Ray that he really wants to get back to the love of his life. Tells him all about this, this, uh, his girlfriend. And, uh, and so after, and I guess spoiler alert, even though the movie's 28 years old, Forrest Whitaker dies in this gunfight or whatever happens. Stephen Ray goes to talk to this guy's girlfriend and tell him what happened and everything. And he ends up falling in love with her. But there's a surprise in this uh, whole thing. Dump, dump, dump. Of course, you know. I don't know if is is it is should we do we even need to bother with the the fact that do we need to not spoil this? Oh no, I uh, think we can spoil this. I think yeah. it was spoiled for me when I was thirteen years old. Yeah, Jay Davidson, uh, you know everything about, and I'm, I don't know if I don't know if he uses I don't know if it's a he if he uses he or she pronouns or they pronouns. Uh, she, but, I think in the movie it's she pronouns because. She is in the process of transgendering. I don't know if there's surgery or anything like that. I honestly don't remember much about that part of the movie. Stephen Ray falls in love with her. Yeah. Does yeah. not know that she is going through all of this until they are about to get it on. And then, then the big surprise via nude scene occurs. And, um, 
And so like he has to deal with these feelings that he had before all of this. And does he still feel the same way afterwards and um, all that? So anyway, that movie is good. It's uh, it, it, that, that surprise overshadowed probably anybody's opinion of what that movie, what their a real opinion of that movie is. Yeah. I and bet it would play. Uh, no, it, it won a bunch of awards. I don't know if it, it got Oscar. Yeah. It got Oscar it, nominations it, for it best nominations, best yeah, director, uh, best actor, best supporter. Neil Jordan won for best director. Did he really? He got nominated for best picture. got nominated for Stephen Ray, got nominated for Jay Davidson, who they put in best actor category. And a lot of people were wondering if that gave away the surprise. I guess it did. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because they had to put him in the best actor category. And then, um, actually, wait a minute. No, he, Neil Jordan won for screenplay. Won for screenplay. Did not win for director. Oh, okay. Um, he won for the screenplay. For some reason, yeah, I was like, no, that was, that was Clint Eastwood's year. Um, but, uh, but yeah, best actor in a supporting role. And then he was nominated, Neil Jordan was nominated for director and it was nominated for film editing. So it had gotten quite a few. Oscar nominations. I'm just um, wondering if it were the present day, given the success of something like Euphoria, um, that 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 quote surprise would be less of the talking point that it was because it was a punchline of every late night comic, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for for months. And well, it's, I don't think it'd even be filmed this way. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it, I, that that the in the movie itself, it's almost a punchline because mm. of just the way it's it's da da da. She's a man, you know. <laughs> There's a quick zoom uh, on the dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't even know if this movie would be made the same way today, but uh, I haven't seen it in forever. Me uh, neither. But I I I, I remember enjoying the rest of the story because the love story is the love story. He, he does eventually reconcile his feelings and say, well, I, I love this woman. So mm-hmm. we're just going to yeah. have to make it work. Um, and, and like the whole IRA and um, cops and robbers type of thing uh, did really appeal to me. And Stephen Ray is really good. I love me some Stephen Ray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> he's good. Um, Jay Davidson went on to go into, would, would go into play Stargate uh, after this. Huh. But I don't think he played in much of anything else. I was going to say, and then disappear completely after yeah. that. Kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's tough when you're in a movie like that and that's your, that's your big reveal. And then oh, yeah. now everybody, that's all people can think of. Uh, you know, it's almost a weird typecasting. It's a, um, don't know what to really call it. But. Yeah. He was only in, he was only in those two movies. And then, uh, Two years later, in 96, he was in a documentary. Mm-hmm. And then in 2009, he had a role as a as a Nazi photographer in something Here. called the Borgheil Project. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's his entire acting career right there, those four things. Hmm. Um, yes, like Jeremy alluded to, we're not going to get through this today. We probably won't even get through the rest of them in the next episode. And there might be another episode after that, even. But this There's is so fun. Many you it know, is fun. like we, how many times have we talked about the crying game or even Cassandra's dream or, uh, you know, it, there's, there's just even about a boy, a movie that I really love. Like we just, it, this gives us a nice respite of, uh, 
branching out a little bit more. And I'm really excited about some of the ones coming up. This has always been the point for road trips for me is that we get to talk about movies. We don't get the chance to talk about a lot. It also brings up movies that you want to see that you have forgotten about or may want to revisit or any of that. It's, you know, when, when we're doing our, our normal things, we're always going after those, the best, the favorites, the blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. We forget those ones in between. That's why I like the road trips a lot. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, keep going to Facebook on, uh, go to, uh, Syncast presented by cinema sins on Facebook. We're also have a cinema Sense Twitter music video, video sins, Twitter. Uh, we're on, uh, SoundCloud. We are on discord. If you want to get on discord, go onto the Reddit page and find the link on the right side, or you can go to Facebook and private message me and I'll give you a link there. But that will do it for this week. It's Chris Agnes and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Uh, totally had a uh, possum in my house the other day. What the fuck? Um, How did he get in? Pretty sure it was uh, cats. Um, oh no! Uh, so like maybe last like a week ago, I went outside because Domino had not come back in. Everybody else was in, and um, come out and I see Domino on this one side that I've never that he doesn't really hang out a lot on. And, uh, he had cornered this possum. Oh my God. And, uh, and like I walked in there, I walked towards them and the possum, I didn't know that possums like had a hiss. Oh my God. They can be mean. And so like, so like he's cornered and Domino's just going over there. I think he's just going to like playfully bat him or whatever, because he's not really going in for the attack. I just, uh, I just pick Domino up and, and take him back inside while this possum sitting there. Um, so a couple of days ago, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm upstairs, I'm playing some poker, uh, online and like get done with that. And I walk down the steps. There's, so you have, you have, you have Chester and you have Rip. They're like the one, the cats that are inside They're they're hungry. They want something. They start walking down the stairs and then they stop at the bottom of the stairs and they're just looking at something. And I, and I see the shape. And I'm like, that fucking possum is inside the house right Jesus. now. Jesus. And he was playing possum. He was, he was, he was just sitting, he was just lying there. And I, I saw it. I was like, I'm definitely not going to pick this thing up no matter what. I'm going to try to sweep him out. And oh, so Jesus. I got the, I got the broom. I started sweeping the possum and I had read, I had read that when they play possum, they're unconscious for a while, but this woke him up. So like he got up and he went behind my entertainment center. Fuck. And I had this to pull, a horror movie. <laughs> I had to pull out the entertainment center and, and he had found this spot in behind it where like wires and all sorts of stuff go. So like, I was like pushing the broom inside the thing. Finally, he's like, the possum was like, well, fuck this. I'm getting out of here. 
got out and then and then and, I ha- and the door is open i'm like okay he can run out now he can go outside he doesn't go outside he goes under the couch god damn <laughs> and so i'm like sliding a couch and this is i think this was on the same day i'd done my tv stuff so there were boxes everywhere there were like like just everything was in disarray in my house it looked the my house looked like you know a, a disaster area he went under the couch and finally I got him, I pushed him to a point where he finally went into one of these boxes that I had huh? downstairs and I picked up the box and <laughs> put it outside. And so now I've got, to fig- I've got to figure out, do I need to call animal control? Uh, do I need to, uh, you know, obviously I, I can't let the cat stay out past a certain period of time or else they'll want to like pick up the possum and drag him in here. And you know, who knows what else? So. Man, I'm surprised in your area. I, I felt like you're urban enough. A possum is kind of a surprise to me, maybe a raccoon, but that's I've kind had of one in my bathroom before. In, uh, West oh, West. really? Yeah. We had How to get, get in. I don't know. We were renovating at the time. I had to use, you know, those rose gloves. Where they go up to like the yeah. the elbow and they're like Gore-Tex. I got in that and like this this uh, this super high tech like uh, body armor. <laughs> and we went in, <laughs> we went in with a, and it was hissing the whole time. This thing was particularly mean. And we went in with a uh, Rubbermaid, and it was like two o'clock in the morning. And we finally got it. It was struggling and everything. I drove it out to like the woods and let it out. This Fuck possum, that. this possum is uh, not aggressive at all. He's pretty sweet, <laughs> but like I, I've seen him hiss. That may be it, man. Maybe somebody's feeding his ass or something. It could be. It could be. Uh, during the uh, fire thing that happened, I, I can't, and that might have been the same night too. There was a lot going on on the weekend. That fire happened, and everybody was like sort of walking out and like. Uh, <clears throat> watching the fire and everything. Of course I was keeping my appropriate distance, but like um, one of the women who lives like two houses down was saying that her cat was a stray that she just basically fed eight years ago. And it just became her cat after a while and everything. So who knows there might be somebody like, Oh, what a cute possum and throwing food everywhere for it and everything. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't, I'm not calling you fat. I was calling you big boned, not John Boyega. Mm-hmm. I am festively plump. Yes, <laughs> I am festively plump. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not fat. <laughs> Did you ever see the one where like Cartman was out of their group for a while, and then they got somebody? To, it was that it's that one where they're doing the downhill race stuff. <laughs> Did you ever Not see that ski one? episode? No, it was a. It's like a four man sled thing that they were they were uh, uh, going up against the girls, and the girls kept calling them, you know, like dick punchers and cock punchers and all this other stuff, and say, you know, saying we're going to beat you in the sled race and all that. Like get Cartman out, and they put some other dude in, and this dude it looks just like Kyle, and just looks just like Stan. He's just got a different hat on or whatever. But they start calling him fat and start doing the same thing they did with Eric Cartman. And like, and like by the end of it, he's like, stop calling me fat, motherfuckers! You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I wrote a, I wrote a Team America outtake for um, Rick and Morty, the latest Rick and Morty. Because um, there's a, 
part where Morty walks to a, uh, a, a gorilla display in a, uh, in a zoo and, and just throws himself in, in there. And, uh, <laughs> and so like the whole thing where he, where he's telling that story to what's her name, where he's like, uh, I was, uh, I was at the zoo doing some acting. <laughs> doing some acting doing some acting and, my, and I, I fell in and my brother came down to save me but he forgot that he had blueberries in his pocket and <laughs> the gorillas just went wild <laughs> did you see we did the uh, baby shark video for uh, MVS oh, I, haven't Jesus. Seen, I haven't seen that uh, that, vi- that song I haven't even heard that song uh, you would have no means to hear it. If you've been around any child over the last four years, mm-hmm. you you would have heard it just because it's, it's, what would you compare it to? What is, it's like, what does the Fox say except times 5 billion? No. It's, it's sung in every school, every house. Like it gets stuck in your head. It's got three or 4 billion views on YouTube. And Damn. it's like, it's like a minute and 50 seconds. And I got 36 cents out of it. Jesus. And I was, yeah, I, I went hard on it. Uh, did, and, uh, did, but did, one of the, did, huh? Did you fuck start it? I fuck started it. I fuck yeah, started baby shark. I fuck started it. I fuck sharks. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's one where the, the, the mascot, the Fox is riding one of the sharks and I put in an outtake of Brick from Anchorman going, he's when he's riding the bear at the end, he's like, Ron, I'm riding a big furry tractor. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but like all the comments are just like, man, this is awesome. I love you guys roasting them. Mm-hmm. And like, even when we've done like Blackpink and uh, NC17, whatever the fuck yeah. that one song. <laughs> Introducing mm-hmm. the new underage pop band, right? NC Seventeen. <laughs> well, that's named uh, after a rating that they can't get into. Well, uh, 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 Noah Cyrus, when she was seventeen, <laughs> yep, had a yep. had a music video that had an image had imagery of something that said NC Seventeen on it. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. was like, what? And I, hmm. I was like, oh, it's Noah Cyrus Seventeen. But oh, like, Jesus, yeah. I love Mike Myers and basically any comedy that he's in besides like the love guru I'm on board with, even the really shitty stuff. But like, I tried to make it through Wayne's world too. <laughs> the other night. Because <laughs> I have Good. fond memories of it. I have fond memories, but it's just so one note and it's, it's the exact same beats over and over from the first movie. And you guys like, are oh, this me in is the hard. Right now. Stabbing me. <laughs> just just physically stabbing me in the heart. Oh right no. Now. Oh like, no. Like I can understand like just not liking it, but not to the point of uh that. <laughs> I didn't want to because like I said, I, I I love his style of humor. I love, you know, the the environment and all that stuff, but like Wayne's World 2 is definitely not as good as the first one. No, Chris Walken's playing the Rob Lowe character. Like, uh, he's trying to get his girlfriend back again. He's trying to do something to improve his life. Like there's, there's all the same characters like, Oh my God. It was just, they even do the, we're not worthy to fucking Aerosmith instead of Alice Cooper. All right. Mm -hmm. This is exhausting. Mm -hmm. I got exhausted watching Wayne world too. 
If you had seen Wayne's World 2 before <laughs> you saw Wayne's World 1. <laughs> yep. A-, a la Horrible Bosses for Jeremy. Mm-hmm. You might like that one better and think the first one is derivative and hitting all the same beats. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there. I I like I like the uh the um what is it uh the Harry Shearer thing that's in there I like that a lot he's like we yeah. could tell you anything like you're a total tool uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 yeah 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 all right yeah and it was <laughs> so we we're very proud of it it took a lot of work and he's like work is hard work is hard. <laughs> 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 yeah that is pretty fun he's like handsome ken or something like that and there's like a really handsome dude that comes out yeah, to greet them, the and they're Ted like McGinley. oh you're handsome ken right and he's like no it's harry sheer with he's the one that's the ted mcginley is the the guy who's like comes on and he's like ah! <laughs> 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 yes there are some funny parts in there but uh yeah it was uh it was, and uh, uh, it's also got the uh, the graduate spoof that's funny in it, um, uh, like the he the the whole him trying to get to the wedding. Um, yeah. Uh, has a Terminator Two thing in it. There's the point where he goes to the gas station and he asks the guy for directions, and he's like, "He's like, I'm sorry, but can I'm we sorry, get a better actor for this?" <laughs> no, it's a bit roll, <laughs> but like, because, because when you first see the guy, you're like, "There's so many cameos in there. That guy's probably somebody, right?" And so you're kind of looking at him, you're like. Uh, no, and then he addresses the camera, and they literally put Charlton Heston. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I once met a girl on Maple Street, <laughs> and Mike Myers is like crying at the end, yeah. of it. and then and then finally he gets to the wedding and that whole graduate thing and everything. So anyway, yeah, there's some shitty, there's some really shitty parts of Wayne's World too, but I always remember those really good ones. I'll what, tell you what, what Kim Basinger does. looked like she was 35, like from the period of 21. To 40. 50. Yeah. <laughs> the 50. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. She always yeah. just looked older, like more mature. I don't know what she had done. I mean, maybe it's the Baldwin effect. Yeah, nine like, and a half weeks. I think she's only like 24 or 25 in that movie. Looks she 35. Looks like, yeah, she looks 35. <laughs> yeah, she's always just been, you know, she's always feel like a woman. She's always been a woman. <laughs> 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 I think uh, Will Smith is starting to uh, wane. I think he's uh, his uh, big Willie is starting to wilt. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't think his star power is that Jiminy Man fucking Spies in Disguise. I guess Spies in Disguise was a decent hit, wasn't it? Uh, I mean, it was a decent hit, but we should be looking at Aladdin first. Yeah. As I mean, that obviously Aladdin is not all because of him, but right. um, it... It, it certainly helps that he was that he was in that, and then Bad Boys for Life was a a major hit that came out in January of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, those other two, like yeah, Gemini Man, uh, you know that that had the potential to be something really good, but I don't know what was going on. I'm just saying that he he <clears throat> used to in my in my estimation he used to be able to open a movie just on his own, and yep. I don't I don't think he can do that anymore. Um, unless he's no, got a franchise like Bad Boys or Disney behind him, that wilted a long time ago. I mean, he did Seven Pounds, and 
and you know that was sort of the the beginning of the end there but yeah there was a point where stuff like i am legend and and hancock and all those movies were going to be big because he was in it but seven pounds was the beginning of the end of that did you ever see seven pounds yeah, yes. it's the most depressing movie you will ever see in your fucking it life. It is right up there with like my life. And shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Does his yeah. his wife dies right, or his kid dies? I can't remember who dies, but he like. Uh, I think he like he's like. Oh, I don't even want to go back, to, but he's. It's all apologies. It's like a movie full of like sad <laughs> apologies and like making amends. It's like Step Nine or whatever it is, like the movie. <laughs> yeah. No, oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, because I guess he's responsible. He's like the guy who was responsible for the wreck that like touched all these people's lives. Yes. Oh, yes. yeah. Yes. And so, like seven pounds, I guess, mean is is a pound of flesh for each person or something like that. But he's yes. actually the one taking the responsibility uh, to go and, and, and make amends and everything. And of course, yeah, by the end of it, it's like, God damn it. This it's no is- good. Pursuit of happiness is just okay. Concussion is bad, but he's good in it. But yeah, he lost that mojo a long time ago. After I think he, I think he's going to get it back, but I don't think it's going to be soon. He's well, still it's one that he's, one thing that he's been doing too is he's really embraced uh, all these social media platforms and he does all these YouTube things and he's mm-hmm. sort of started building another new kind of audience now and people are rediscovering him who weren't old enough last time. So, you know, I, he may never be one of those guys that opens up, you know, a movie to $100 million opening or anything, but he is going to be viable for a while. And he's past 50 now. Ha yeah. ha. He's going to start getting chances, I think, to, to, to really act <clears throat> where he doesn't have to necessarily force it like seven pounds and pursue Like the whole project isn't necessarily about, I'm an actor, but because he can't do the action stuff anymore or isn't seen as an action star, he's going to get, you know, he, maybe not Tarantino, but he's going to get one of those like John Travolta in, in Pulp Fiction roles where he like does something a little different than we're used to seeing and it, it revives his career. Well, remember, he had a chance to do a Tarantino. He had, uh, he did. Django. He had the Django Unchained. And then yeah. uh, I think if you, he, had, he had been offered that now, he would he would jump on it. But back then Probably. he was so, so worried about his image. Mm-hmm. that he decided to not do that. And, yep. and you know, and it's good to have principles, but at the same time, I think it would have launched him a little, for another, you know. <laughs> it's the part where in that thing you do where Jonathan Sketch gets mad at the rest of the group, and he's like, I guess I'm alone in my principles. And he storms <laughs> out of the restaurant, and Steve Zahn is like, there he goes, off to write that hit song, Alone in My Principles. <laughs> <laughs> 